Temperatures soared this week across the capital region. We're talking 90 to 100 degree temps. That's record-breaking, dangerous heat. I hope everyone's staying cool. Coming up on this episode of The Eagle, we'll go over the week's top headlines. If you're not in air conditioning at home, please spend at least a couple of hours over the course of the day somewhere, whether it's a mall or a movie theater or wherever you can get to where you can get some comfort. And some state workers nearing retirement are getting a nice little surprise. They might be eligible for pension benefits. If you if you started working b- between those dates and you left before 10 years, check, you might have some pension dollars coming your way. This is The Eagle, a Times Union podcast, a look inside our newsroom. I'm Jessica Marshall. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring in you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union member today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. Welcome to The Eagle. I'm Jessica Marshall. All right, now let's discuss what appeared in the Times Union and on timesunion.com this week. We are back again with Times Union Editor-in-Chief Casey Seiler. We're going to talk about this week's top headlines. We'll start with the fact that Albany had its first documented case of monkeypox, as did Greene County. It's starting to kind of appear around the region. What's the latest there? Should we be worried about this? I would not panic, certainly. It, it is still just one case. Uh, I would definitely be cautious. All of the things that have been recommended to protect you against the variants of COVID-19 apply in the case of monkeypox, which is be smart about limiting your contact with other people, wash your hands. You know, never hurts to wear a mask. <laughs> But uh, it it is true that cases of monkeypox, which is not at all a pleasant condition, you know, it results in flu-like symptoms and can result in uh, sores all over the body, is definitely, cases are on the uptick, the vast majority of them in the downstate region, but it's not surprising that it's been creeping upstate as well. The case, the initial case that was announced earlier this week, and and subsequently, I think we've had uh, a first case confirmed in Greene County as well, but the Albany County case was, as the county executive, Dan McCoy, noted from somebody who travels extensively out of state and they do not believe that this case was contracted in Albany County. You know, be aware, continue to monitor. The executive chamber, Governor Kathy Hochul, just on Wednesday, um, had a briefing on COVID and monkeypox. So this is clearly a a virus that people are, are paying close attention to as well they should. And as we discussed on last week's podcast and reported, the monkeypox vaccine is now available in Saratoga County um, due to its status as a tourist destination. And even more a tourist destination over the course of the last week as track season has begun, without a doubt. Absolutely. And check out our sports writing on that for the latest in Saratoga. But we are going to turn our attention now to some news out of 
the Capitol, uh, our reporter Chris Bragg broke a story this week on some donations that were made to the Hochul campaign. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, the end of last week, politicians and candidates in New York were required to file their six-month donations and expenditures records. And Chris Bragg, who is one of the the best in the business, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to pouring over those records and um, looking for uh, connections, noted that um, the Tabelli family, which is headed by uh, Charlie Tabelli, who runs a company called Digital Gadgets LLC, that a number of people around him, uh, family members uh, in particular, gave roughly $300,000 to Governor Hochul uh, since she took office. And what was uh, very interesting associated with that is the fact that the Tabelli family business, Digital Gadgets, has been paid more than $630 million uh, by the state in a no-bid contract to provide at-home COVID tests. Now, the lack of a contract here is due to, you know, the healthcare state of emergency due to COVID, and there is or does not appear to be anything illegal about any of this giving. As noted, a number of Tabelli family um, relatives and children gave Some of them had never given before in a state uh, election, and they definitely started at a pretty high rate of up to $40,000. But uh, this type of giving is not particularly or or not on its prima facie illegal. It is, however, illegal to make donations that are not in the true name of the donor. Those are so-called straw purchases. There is no evidence that these were straw purchases, but they definitely are um, eyebrow raising without a doubt. And Governor Hochul said, well, the, the no-bid aspect of this was due to the healthcare emergency. I highly recommend that folks check this out. The Times Union has done a number of stories, some of them by Chris Bragg, on giving that follows this kind of pattern. And the amazing thing to me, at least, is that very, very few of them have ever resulted, as far as I know, in even a phone call of mild inquiry from any kind of enforcement body, uh, including the State Board of Elections. The the one entity that has made inquiry when we've reported on this type of interesting, let's say, giving uh, our federal prosecutors. But um, straw donor cases are supposed to be very easy to bring, but there are very few of them that are ever brought forward. And once again, I'm I'm not saying that there is any evidence of illegality here. Well, we're always keeping our eyes out for them for sure. Sticking now with news from the Capitol Bureau, a former Senate aide has filed a lawsuit against the state Senate. Governor Kathy Hochul and a former supervisor whom she alleges both raped and sexually harassed her multiple times during her tenure there. Tell us more about that. Yeah. And these are, of course, just allegations in a lawsuit, we should note. No criminal charges have been brought here. But yeah, a a former legislative aide who worked in the state Senate, uh, communications specialist, has has filed a lawsuit against Carlos Gonzalez, who is a a former supervisor within the state Senate who worked for Democrats. He is the son of former state Senator Efren Gonzalez Jr., who lost his seat amid corruption investigation that ended up landing him in prison. 
And what she alleges is that uh, from the time uh, Carlos Gonzalez arrived at the state Senate, she was subjected to a very scary alleged behavior by him that included her very strong uh, suspicions that she was drugged and then sexually assaulted. She says that when she came forward with complaints, they were first examined by one entity and then another, basically by legislative enforcement bodies and then by the now defunct uh, State Joint Commission on Public Ethics, and uh, nothing was ever done. The investigations were determined to to be dead ends, and she claims that that everybody dropped the ball. She was um, let go by um, the state Senate at the end of, of 2018. She claims that that was retaliation. It, it's worth noting, however, that in, in the elections of 2018, the majority in the state Senate flipped. And as usually happens when there is a, a change of majority, um, some folks are let go in order to make way for loyalists, I guess it's fair to say, of the uh, of the incoming majority to to take those positions. So that is something to consider when you're looking at least at this dismissal from the state Senate. But yeah, very uh, disturbing story. Um, and uh, Brendan Lyons looked over the lawsuit and gave a very good summary. Yes. Head on over to Capital Confidential on timesunion.com for more there. All right, finally, let's turn our attention to the weather. Uh, I think everyone would agree that we've all noticed it's quite hot outside. Tell us more. Yes, never has uh, uh, anyone been more happier for air conditioning than I am right now here in my office at the Times Union newsroom in beautiful Colony. But the walk across the parking lot was humid. And uh, we're talking uh, Thursday morning. Uh, This is sort of the the second day of this very serious heat that we have been having, uh, as well as, of course, the rest of the region and several regions around this great land of ours. And I highly, highly recommend that folks go to timesunion.com if they are in need of cooling, because we have a very good map and a list of local cooling centers. Uh, Among them, uh, everything from the Albany County Hockey Facility that I know is close to your heart as a as a skater, and um, various libraries, fire departments, splash pads, you name it. It's dangerously hot out there, without a doubt. And if you're not in air conditioning at home, please spend at least a couple of hours over the course of the day somewhere, whether it's a mall or a movie theater or wherever you can get to where you can get some comfort. Absolutely. I can confirm I was at the hockey facility yesterday, meaning Wednesday when it was quite hot out. And I can confirm that it was quite cool and refreshing. So if you can get there, go for it. Absolutely. All right, Casey, thank you so much. We will check back in with you next week. Thanks, Jess. As always, you can learn more about all of the topics and the issues that we discuss on this podcast at timesunion.com. After the break, we'll talk about what's arguably a nice little surprise for about 32,000 state workers. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring in you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union member today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. 
Welcome back. You're listening to The Eagle, a Times Union podcast. I'm Jessica Marshall. New York Governor Kathy Hochul's first state budget this past April was a $220 billion plan that included gas price relief, an environmental bond act, health insurance for older undocumented New Yorkers, controversial public safety law reform, and alcohol to go. Also tucked in there was some news for state employees nearing retirement age who've worked less than 10 years in the system. Thanks to a Cuomo-era pension reform, if you were hired in 2010 or later, you had to work at least 10 years for the state before you became pension eligible. Now, you only have to complete five years of service. That means about 32,000 current or retired state workers over the age of 55 may suddenly be eligible for a lifetime of monthly pension checks upon retirement. Times Union business editor Rick Carlin recently wrote about this change, which he says not many people know about, and I caught up with him to learn more. Can you give us a short history of pension investments for state employees? So as of 2010, with the Cuomo administration, it became 10 years of service, right? For people in these the most recent tiers, people who had been recently hired, like in the 2020 odds, people who were hired in what they call tier five or tier six, it's the most recent tranche of state and public employees who were hired in fairly recent years, the Cuomo administration decided to have them work for 10 years rather than five years before they get vested. That means fully invested in the state pension system. Now, what was the decision-making behind that? Why did did they do that? Save money. They're saving billions of dollars over the year, over time. Prior to 2010, prior to this yes. the change to 10 years, it was five years? Correct. If you were hired in okay. uh, 2009, you could get pension eligible after five years. Now, you have to be at least 55 years old to get the pension. And to get the full pension amount, you had to be in your 60s. If you leave before the five years or before the 10 years, you basically get what you've accrued and often you can get that in a lump sum but you're not getting a lifetime pension so this change then in this year's budget is welcome news i'm guessing for a lot of people who work for the state yeah it's welcome news for people who were basically hired since 2010 and may be pondering retirement soon so you know there are people that have been here for less than 10 years. And I did talk to a fellow who who worked a little less than 10 years. He decided he wanted to do something else or to retire. And he was willing to actually give up his lifetime pension for that. But now he will get some pension credits and he'll get a pension. So how many people are we talking about? How many people are impacted by this? We don't know yet how many people this impacts. There's about 30,000 and change people who are in tiers five and six and who are at least 55 years old. Actually, it's 32,389 people. They're eight, they're over age 55 and they, and they're either in tier five or six and they could get some pension if they've already left the public employment or if they are planning to leave it. Now you wrote about someone, as you said before, the gentleman that had left. Yeah. 
prior to, you know, being able to, you know, serve out the time to, to collect the pension, but, but he didn't really know, right? No, there's like, it wasn't quite well publicized there, at this point. Yeah. There's, there's a twist and it sort of has to do with the nature of retirement from a union job, at least, especially with the public sector. This guy had been represented. He had had different jobs with the state. So he was represented by the two at, at various times, the two major state unions, uh, PEF and CSEA. But once you're retired, you're not really a dues paying member anymore of those unions. So you're not necessarily paying attention to what they're putting out in their newsletters or what they have online. And there's no, apparently there's no obligation, at least so far with, with this change for the state to notify these people. Someone just told him about this. Someone who had heard about this told this fellow about this new benefit. He called the state retirement system and they said, oh yes, lo and behold, you are eligible for a pension, which he is now going to be getting. He said, well, shouldn't you have notified me? And he was told, no, that's not our job to notify you. You have to check your online account. Perhaps not surprisingly, he tried to check on his online account and he was unable to get into his online account. They're having some problems, apparently. They're trying to update and revise the online account system. So if someone reads your article, right, I'm assuming that people are going to learn this, learn so, about yeah. this from your article as, as a, in addition to hearing it through the grapevine, I imagine. So yeah. what, if you think that you're eligible, check. what do you do? If you think you're eligible, check. If you, if you started working b- between those dates and you left before 10 years, check, you might have some pension dollars coming your way. And of course, as a pension, as a defined benefit state pension, you get it for life. Well, that's like Christmas in July. It's huh? very much like Christmas in July. Yes. Now, so what uh, was Hochul's reasoning for this? What was their... I, I, I don't know. Um, the, you know. The unions say, it, it's a lot of it gets into the, the union politics. The public sector unions have a lot of influence in the state legislature. And they had sent, uh, CSEA had sent emails, you know, form letters and emails and phone calls to the legislature. And they really took aim at the legislature to get these changes through. They've been trying to do this for a while. I mean, this has been a sore point for them for a decade now. And there were other changes also that Cuomo made to lessen the pension benefit to some extent. And they're still trying to get some of those back as well. It's sort of a push and pull. You've got the state union, the, the CSEA PEF, uh, who have a lot of, you know, they have a lot of smarts, a lot of political savvy. They have uh, a lot of political influence. They donate to the candidates and they really push on the legislature and they convinced Hochul to uh, basically undo what Cuomo had done. Now, are there people or entities who are unhappy about this development? There's a, a conservative, a fiscally conservative group, the Empire Center, had calculated uh, the savings that this brought about. They said they calculated that all of these savings, not just the vesting, but it was, vesting is a big one, that they saved taxpayers a billion dollars in 2021. So there are significant long-term savings in the cost of pensions. The pension benefit, as you probably know, is paid out of the pension fund, the state pension fund, which is invested in a, you know, a huge basket of stocks and bonds and so forth. It's in the, you know, it's in the hundreds of billions of dollars that pays it. But if the economy takes a dip, which is what we're seeing now, the localities sometimes have to make up the shortfall. 
so when when the stock market goes down for a protracted period of time your school taxes for instance could go up in part because they they are obligated to make up the money that's owed in their contractual pensions to the retirees and and if the state retirement fund is not spinning off enough the localities have to make up the difference and on the state level the state makes up the difference you think that's going to happen you know we won't see this for a couple of years they settle up in other words when 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 it gets to the point where it hits taxes it's usually there's a two or three year lag just because of the accounting that's involved in this but i suspect if we are heading into a recession i'd say it's a pretty clear indication that'll happen yeah All right, that's it for this week. I'm Jessica Marshall. We're going to take next week off, but we'll be back in two weeks with another look inside the newsroom here at the Times Union. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, or head on over to timesunion.com for the latest news and features. The Eagle is a production of the Times Union. It's produced and edited by me, Jessica Marshall, with help from the Times Union digital team and the newsroom. Special thanks to Casey Seiler and Rick Carlin for their contribution to this episode. 